On our spotlight today on KRWC, we happen to uh, be on the first Tuesday of the month, on the first day of the month of December. And on the first Tuesday of each month, we talk with District 877 Superintendent of Schools, Dr. Scott Thielman, who joins us here for our December uh, visits and our, our final visit, I guess, of 2020. And uh, I don't think that there's going to be too many people that are going to be disappointed that we flip the calendar to a different year. Not that it may be a better year. (laughs) It has to be. I don't know that it's going to look a whole lot different right away, but uh, hopefully by later it'll be a a little better. Yeah, certainly. Uh, Last March began this whole process uh, for us. And and a change in missing a high school graduation all the way through the summer and adapting all along. But, Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 When we last talked, it was Election Day, and so maybe we can uh, start there with a little recap of that, and uh, you've got some other things to uh, to bring us up to date on, of course, too. I do. Um, so last, um, on, on um, November 3rd, when we last spoke, um, the school board election had nine um, people who um, ran for four openings. And um, the election day results um, elected two incumbents. Uh, we had three incumbents running. Uh, it re- re-elected two incumbents and uh, two new um, new people uh, to the board. And so we congratulate Melissa Brings, an uh, incumbent, returning to the board. Uh, Sue Lee is returning to the board. And then we have two new um New um, community members that are joining, Amanda Lawrence and Adam Bjorkland. And so we're excited to have them join the Buffalo Hanover Montreux School Board. Officially, they um, begin their term in January, and um, they will have a four-year term. Um, So we congratulate them and uh, look forward to their continued service with Melissa and Sue. and then our new members, Amanda and Adam, joining um, uh, the board. Uh, we look forward to their service uh, to the Buffalo Hanover Machos uh, students and staff and community. Um, and just uh, for uh, folks, uh, inf- your listeners' information, we have a seven-member board and four members um, run um, in one election cycle and then three and the other. And so uh, they're four-year terms, and they're, um, the election cycle happens every two years, so it's not a complete turnover of the board. So we still um, have uh, Amanda Reinick and Ken Ogden and Bob Sansevier on the board. Um, but we have to say um, uh, goodbye to um, Mr. Dave Wilson, and I just want to Thank Mr. Wilson for his service. Um, He served on the board in two different uh, stints. He was elected initially in November of 2005 and then resigned in February of 2013. So he had a seven-year term uh, at that time, and then um, he um, ran again in... November of 2015, and will have served uh, from 2015 through um, through the um, year 2020. So five more years. So 
Um, just really appreciative of Mr. Wilson's service. Um, he was um, board chair when I applied to become superintendent with the Buffalo Hanover Montrose School District in 2010, and um, he he will be greatly missed. His leadership and going through um, financial difficulties and then the positives of passing a bond and the latest operating referendum. I uh, just really appreciate his leadership, and it will be greatly missed, um, and thank him for his service. And obviously, he'll, he lives in our community and will remain in our community, so we'll see him um, you know, as, as we go through town and, and do our daily business. But uh, I just want to thank um, Mr. Wilson for his um, leadership and his guidance and his uh, – I think he served as chair – probably um, close to 10 years uh, um, out of the 12 that he was on the board. So um, that um, that leadership is, is going to be stepping away, but um, we we have to be thankful of, of his service and what he has done for the Buffalo Hanover Montrose School District. And, and, and moving forward, we welcome our new members and know that um, – we have stability within the board. We have two new members and five returning members. So uh, we're looking forward to to their service as we as we move forward. Maybe you can take a second and speak to the uh, the whole um, uh, area of, of how many candidates were able. You know, I think it speaks well, especially in a time of you know the way that this year has been and things like that. Um, Maybe kind of speaks well that people still want to get um, get their hands dirty, so to speak, and and uh, get in there and work for the district. Because boy, I, if there's ever been uh, a rough year and a, and a tough year for the school board, it's been this one. It certainly has. Yeah, it it really shows the the commitment to the folks that um, put their names out there and wanted to serve and um, help make a difference in our community. And um, you're right, it, it really speaks well of people's interest and, um, you know, everybody that you could you could have read their bios, they were out on the school district's uh, site and they were in the paper in different places, but really running for the right reasons, um, making a difference for, for students is the bottom line and uh, wanting to serve and give back to their community. So, yes, that was, um, it was um, a great... Um, Great showing um, having that many people run, and especially in a pandemic, um, knowing that things were changing on a daily, moment-by-moment basis, basically, and uh, really wanting to to come in and and serve and give back to our community. I'm just amazed at, uh, you know, and we're going to kind of dovetail into the, the latest on the COVID situation, but I'm just amazed at, uh, you know, we were just talking this morning about how many aspects of life that uh, it touches, and it's virtually everything. And the same goes for the school district, too. I mean, every aspect of of what is being done for students uh, from, you know, obviously the uh, day-to-day learning through the uh, extracurriculars, right down to food service and buses and everything else. Mm-hmm. It's all included. Yes. Um, it it's uh, a tremendous impact, and um, 
you know, we we don't take that lightly because um, we're we have all the protocols. We've talked about that throughout the summer and everything that we have in place with policies and uh, um, in place for masks and making sure that um, we met all of the um, the sanitation uh, sanitizing. Um, uh, requirements and making sure that we could have uh, students in our buildings safely. Um, but then, you know, just as we were going through this whole process, um, the case rates in our community impact our ability to to operate. And really, it came down to not the cases being transmitted within the buildings from student to student or student to staff. It was... Um, uh, a contact with um, uh, someone who was positive or thought they were positive and they had to quarantine and it really impacted how um, we could operate. We we finally came to the point where we didn't have enough substitutes uh, in to to be able to cover the absences and um, and it wasn't that everybody was positive. It was that people had to quarantine because of an exposure to to someone, and um, uh, it was, you know, it it seems innocent, you know, because it could happen to anybody if if you're in that situation where somebody didn't know it, and um, and you were with family, and and um, and and then you get the news that you have to quarantine. So, um, just as a reminder, our our school district had to plan for, and all school districts um, had to plan for in-person, where students are in-person every single day, and you try to keep the physical distancing um, as much as possible, but it wasn't required that you had the the mandatory six-foot um, uh, physical distancing um, uh, every single um, moment of the day because you would have 25 students in a class. So um, that that wasn't going to happen um, to maintain a six-foot distance in a classroom. Um, and then there's a hybrid model, which is um, where you could only have 50% 50, uh, 50 capacity in our um, school buildings and classrooms. And that's how we started the year. We had in-person learning every day for our elementary students, and then we have... Um, the um, we had the hybrid at the secondary level, meaning the middle school and the high school, and they had the six foot distancing, uh, half capacity, you know, serving meals, all of those pieces, and um, and we had and were able to do that until just yesterday. Um, we had to change our learning model. Uh, to the third um, option for our secondary students, 6 through 12, are now distance learning. And so they don't come into the building at all. Um, and um, our elementary moved into the hybrid model. And we know that that's hard on parents because um, that means students are here every other day. Um, it's a A day and a B day. So Monday, Wednesday, or um, based on your last name, or Tuesday, Thursday, and then you rotate every other Friday for those students. And so um, we had to shift that model, and um, we had to adapt to different 
executive orders or things that were coming out of the Minnesota Department of Health or the Minnesota Department of uh, Education. And so uh, last week, Monday and Tuesday, before the Thanksgiving break, uh, we had no school so that teachers could plan and prepare for their new schedules, uh, which began yesterday, as I said. And um, we had to also um, plan for additional um, planning time for our teachers in a hybrid model and a distance learning model. So that meant that for elementary, um, we had to dismiss, uh, we have to dismiss uh, about 40 minutes early to accommodate that um, additional planning time that um, the governor's executive order put in place for our teachers. So all of those types of things, Tim, are just like it's announced today and you have to get it ready the following day or sometimes that same day. So right now um, we have switched models as of yesterday with hybrid um, on, um, uh, for elementary and distance learning for secondary. And then that will, we're saying that we'll try this and hopefully um, our case rates in our county will um, will uh, be reduced, and we're hoping our plan is to come back on uh, at the end of the first uh, semester, which is the end of January. So students um, would be able to return uh, February 1st. So we're, we're going to look at that model, and um, we know that uh, there are some Tier 1 or uh, essential workers that um, are in identified fields, and uh, they have free daycare uh, for elementary students um, on on an A-B day on in a hybrid schedule or even in a distance learning model. And so that was done last spring. It's now done again this year. It's a little bit different um, than it was last spring. Um, it's a little more stringent or strict on who qualifies for complete daycare, or excuse me, free daycare, um, both parents have to be um, essential or tier one employees. Um, but our, our community ed department, the kid care department, worked very hard to make sure that we have an option for parents who need it on that day. So we already have uh, students who are in our kid care program for before and after school care, and they are um, now uh, able to have that on that off day if they need it. So um, thanks to our, our kid care staff and coordinators to, to be able to make sure that that's happening. Um, and then as you mentioned earlier about meals, you know, that that is uh, different um, um, now. Uh, students are, uh, our families are going to pick up meals on a weekly basis and um, it's a little bit different than we did this spring because we had um, we had no students in in session. Uh, every everyone was distance learning, so we were able to drop them off at sites. Now um, we're looking to have uh, students pick up meals or their families pick up meals once a week. And um, the way they're doing it um, this time around is that they are going to get ten meals when they pick up. Um, make that pickup. And um, so we have our first um, uh, weekly meal um, 
um, the pickup will be this week. And right now we have 1,300, 1,300 students uh, signed up to pick the pick up meals. So that's five, five breakfasts, uh, five lunches. Um, so you know they're they're making 13 um, 13,000 meals uh, for folks to pick up, and I'm sure that'll increase as um, we are um, wanting to make sure that everybody has. Uh, enough to eat and have access to to those uh, meals, and they are free to our students uh, due to um, some federal um, uh, funding. So we're appreciative of that. Um, and then transportation, as we talked about earlier, you know, we're running half routes, no routes in the afternoon, but everybody's got to be here and ready. So. Um, we're vision transportation is working hard to make sure that we'll have folks um, available when uh, come February 1st and and moving forward through that and then um, executive order 2099 uh, took place um, I think it was on the 19th 18th or 18th of um, November and that paused all activities um, and athletics and community education and facilities for um, for four weeks, and so that will expire. On um, it went into effect actually at midnight um, or 12:01 a.m. on on the 21st of November, but it was announced on the 18th, and um, so all of our our coaches and our activities and um, music, band, all of those uh, activities are on pause and they're on hold until uh, December 18th, um, actually at 12.01 on December 19th. Um, we'll have three days of school left um, before our winter break. So our uh, our directors and our coaches and our sponsors um, uh, supervisors are all preparing because, you know, things uh, go on over those winter breaks, and I'm sure that students will want to, to be part of that. So um, it, it had a big effect for us. Um, we can keep open some of the, um, um, the, the classes that uh, Community Ed had in place, but it's the big places, uh, spaces like gyms and pools, and um, all of those pieces are are on pause until um, the 19th of December. And who knows what's going to happen between then, now and then. I always tell uh, people when I'm speaking to them, this is what I know at 10:28 a.m. on December 1st. Um, I believe it. I believe it. There's, yeah. Uh, you know, as we mentioned, there's just so many moving targets. I honestly don't know how you keep it all straight. I really don't. <laughs> you should see the <laughs> the amount of notes and and files that uh, are sitting on my desk right mm -hmm. now as we go from I go from one meeting to the next uh, because it's not just we we belong to collaboratives and. Um, and that means we belong to these groups so that it reduces the costs. And so we have the right technical center, and we have the Northwest Suburban Integration District. We have 
Southwest Metro Intermediate District, um, just to name a few. And then you have the Minnesota State High School League, and and um, it goes on and on. And everybody, you know, we're getting bits and pieces um, from everybody and trying to figure out what's going and how it's going to impact us. Um, uh, it would be remiss if I didn't talk a little bit about what's happening this year, um, and people probably read it in the in the Wright County Journal Press. But our, um, our, our the the way uh, school districts receive their funding is based on the enrollment, and this year uh, we had about 225 more students um, participate in homeschooling, and um, when you project your budget based on how many people are going to walk through the door and then 225 don't show up, that's going to have a huge impact on, on the school budget. And um, as we were going through that process, um, we also had, you know, just kindergartners not begin this year, uh, about 45. And so that takes a big hit on a on a school district budget. Now we ended the year last year better than anticipated, um, due to the closure and the savings in in substitutes and savings in um, in energy and and those types of costs. Um, so we're we're fortunate in that sense, um, but we also had other costs associated with trying to. Uh, adjust and make sure that we have technology for all of our students um, while we're in a pandemic. And it was especially, um, we're not a, a district that has, um, they call it one-to-one -one funding, where they have one device for every student. We we have not been that, um, uh, we, we don't have the dollars to, to make that investment. And um, and and then reinvest because the technology wears out. Um, but we did make a commitment to our secondary students in that um, hybrid model and now in the distance learning. And I just want to recognize Wright County um, commissioners and the Wright County for um, helping out school districts. They were allocated uh, dollars. It's called a CARES um, coronavirus um, I can't think of the acronym now. I've I've had too many, Tim. I'm sorry, but um, Wright County were very appreciative, helping out all the the school districts in Wright County. Um, it's a limited um, window. The funds had to be used uh, or be allocated by the end of this month, so yesterday, and um, it was only in a limited um, qualifying. Um, type of expenses. So the hand sanitizers and the masks and the gloves and the plexiglass shields and um, if there were uh, food service supplies. Um, and then it also did give you an option uh, or an opportunity to, to buy more technology. And so we did that. And as you can imagine, everybody in the state was doing that and across the country. So uh, there's a backlog and and then that um, that uh, puts a wrench in some of those pieces too. But we're very appreciative of, to the commissioners and the staff at Wright County for recognizing school districts. And I also want to thank uh, Buffalo Township 
um, they were allocated um, the uh, coronavirus relief funds or the CARES funds, and um, they they used what they needed. And then um, because we're another public entity, they could um, allocate those um, and, and donate those to to the school district. So still had to run through them. We had to show our expenses, um, but we're very appreciative of um, uh, the Buffalo Township also. Um, and so that um, has been a part of our process too. And, and these dollars cannot offset what our, our current costs are. Um, it's for additional technology. It's additional pieces of things um, uh, personal protective equipment, um, um, HVAC, meaning heating, ventilation, air conditioning, um, increasing air supply and, and HEPA air filters and, and retrofitting some of our, our um, health offices in every building, not some of them, every one of them. And, um, you know, putting in some hand-free faucets, hands-free faucets and things like that. So, um, we were also able to hire a COVID coordinator under some of the funding, and uh, that has been a tremendous um, help. And I, I pointed that out, I think, in, in September or October, I think October, um, having a coordinator who tracks all of our, our cases uh, as soon as they're reported to us or and works closely with the Wright County Public Health and the Minnesota Department of Health. So um, I just wanted to thank uh, all of the, the entities um, for those. It wasn't to help offset what we currently are, you know, what we projected our budget on. Um, it was only for things that met the, a certain criteria. So um, I, I wanted to recognize those folks too. Um, I'll just transition. I know I'm going a little bit long, Tim. So um, our next school board meeting, we only have one in December. We have one in July and one in um, December, and that will be December 14th. Um, and that will be our annual Truth and Taxation meeting. And um, that's where our, our Director of Finance and Operations and every school district um, does this, as well as every public entity uh, prevents a, or presents a truth and taxation meeting, um, giving out the information regarding our budget and um, in the past year and project a budget going into the next year. Um, so Mr. Kaluski, our Director of Finance and Operations, will present that as he always does and uh, at that meeting. Um, I'd also like to recognize um, we have uh, staff that were recognized for great work, and we want to honor um, them for their out outstanding service uh, within our school system. Um, it recognizes and honors um, support staff who go above and beyond their required duties. Um, and uh, so obviously we're in a COVID um, situation. We had to have a virtual ceremony and typically they have dinner with us in a recognition ceremony um, with districts across central Minnesota. But I do want to recognize um, our outstanding support staff award recipients, Jamie Anderson. She is um, the secretary, building secretary at Montrose Elementary School of Innovation. Uh, Tim Domka, 
who is the head engineer at Tataka uh, Elementary STEM School, and then Suzanne Suglawi, uh, uh, educational support professional at Tatanka Elementary STEM School, and then Susie Carrolls Brown, who is the Nutrition Services Manager at Buffalo High School. So congratulations to all four of them. And then we also, um, in, uh, in since we last spoke, uh, recognized our um, leaders in um, Leadership in Educational Excellence Award, and we had four recipients um, for that, and that is demonstrating outstanding educational leadership. So we congratulate Danielle Collins, who is a special education teacher at Northwinds Elementary, Gary Johnson, who is a science teacher at Buffalo Community Middle School, Tracy Johnson, who is a science teacher at um, Buffalo High School, and Rissa Schrick, who is a grade one, two teacher here at uh, Discovery Elementary. Uh, so congratulations to our uh, Leadership and Educational Excellence Award to those teachers, and they were recognized at the end of October. Yeah, end of October. And then um, I also rec- want to recognize the, our um, Buffalo Community Middle School and Buffalo High School. She shares a position, um, adaptive uh, physical education uh, teacher. Uh, she was recognized by the Minnesota Society of Health and Physical Educators. Uh, Adept Physical Education Teacher of the Year. So congratulations to uh, Jennifer Hebink. Um, she's doing, been doing a wonderful job, and uh, she has a adaptive physical education class at the high school that is integrated and um, was recognized, and they did a special on Channel 5 for her. So um, congratulations to Jen. We're very proud of the work that uh, she is doing for all of our students. Um, and making that program a, a true success. Um, I just um, want to say uh, thank you to our, our Buffalo Hanover Machos community, our students, our families, and staff for their appreciate, or excuse me, their their patience and cooperation, um, and just having to make difficult decisions and sacrifices uh, during this pandemic. And we're just very thankful for their understanding they've shown us and that um, they believed in us and the decisions that we've made. And we couldn't do any of this uh, without their support and support of our Buffalo Hanover Montrose residents. So I want to thank everybody um, because it, we're all in this together and and um, we'll get to move forward. And as we said, Tim, it's the last uh, last call for 2020. And um, I think 2021 is going to look um, a lot brighter. I hope so. We certainly hope so. Well, thanks to uh, you and the entire uh, district for uh, and every every moving part for all of the uh, the great work. And uh, we will talk again in the new year here. Yeah. I, I think our staff are, are phenomenal, and they have uh, been uh, there to support our students every step of the way, as well as our parents. So thanks for the time, Tim. Okay. Thanks again. District 877 Superintendent of Schools, Dr. Scott Thielman, our guest on today's Spotlight on KRWC.